week, but we kick off our new series, Resolve, today. And, and here's the question for, for the day. I want you to be asking yourself, what am I building? What am I building this year? And obviously, we've got the Jenga blocks up here, and I want you to start thinking through the context of what are you building whether it be financial, whether it be a career. And because we all get in this place about this time, our resolutions are still pretty fresh. It's like, all right, 2017, life's starting to get back to normal. The kids are sort of in school, even though we've had some days off and snow days. I'm back at work. We're getting into the routine. We're getting into the rhythm. And we're, we're relatively excited for the most part. He's like, I've got a great plan on what I want this next year and the rest of my life to look like. Financially, job-wise, career-wise, family-wise, marriage-wise, you name it, this year's gonna be different. This year's gonna be better. That's why we have resolutions, isn't it? Our whole point of a resolution is to improve this next year. We add something, we take something away, we work on something so that what we dream and what we hope, what we're building might actually happen. So the question is, what are you trying or hoping to build this next year? I'm going to give you some wonderful advice for the new year and for the rest of your life. If you've got a pen, if you have a pen, great. If you don't, they're right there in the cup holders next year. I need you to write this down. Are you ready? Write it down. I'm not joking. Write this down. In your worship guides, I want you to write this down. The best advice you're going to get all year, all year. What are we trying to build? Here's the advice. Follow God. I profound, I know. You woke up early to hear your pastor say, follow God this next year. And as cliche as that is, I'm telling you, it's still profound. And my hope and my prayer for us this morning is that, yes, we begin to answer and really dig in, what are we trying to build? But even though if you've been in church world, you know, for six months or longer, that follow God, it's kind of like you hear it, but okay. Follow God, but how? Follow God, and now what? And, and we don't know what to do with it. And so what I'm hoping we can do this morning is, yes, what are you building, but what does it mean to build while following God? What does God want to build in your life? Following God, for sure, it's cliche. It sounds relatively simple. It's not as easy said than done. It's easier said than done. We all know that. But following God is the most profound thing that we can do. If there's one thing you do this year or for the rest of your life, any resolution, any, any goal, any plan that you make, following God will trump it all. And if you look in, in the book of Deuteronomy, which if you want to start heading there now, we're going to be in Deuteronomy 30, Moses says that exact same thing to Israel, to the nation of Israel. And he doesn't just tell it this time. In fact, the book Deuteronomy, that name Deuteronomy literally means second law. And it's not because there's two different laws. It's because he's repeating the law they already got. What have the Israelites been doing in the desert for a while? What have they been doing? Yeah, they've been wandering around for 40 years. And so they get out of Egypt and you know the cycle. They kind of follow God and then they don't follow God. They follow God, then they don't follow God. And now they're getting ready to end their wandering and enter the promised land. And before they step into the promised land, Moses huddles up this entire nation and gives them what we know as Deuteronomy. He says, I know you know this and I know you've heard this before, but let me remind you before we walk into the promised land, before we build this new life for us, before we take any steps further, let me remind you of who God is, what he's done and what he expects from us. That's what Deuteronomy is all about. And we get to chapter 30 and he really sums it all up. It's towards the end of his big sermon, his big speech to the nation of Israel. And he's basically gonna say those two words to them, follow God, no matter what follow God. No matter what the plans are, follow God. No matter what problems, follow God. He reminds them, and it's not so much a resolution as it is just a reminder, to follow God. 
So we're going to go through this last part as, as Moses begins to sum everything up for the nation of Israel so that as we're building this new year and, and for many of us a, a version of a new life, we're wanting to change and be changed and have some change in our lives to improve. What does it mean to truly follow God? And Moses is going to help us with that. So here we go. Deuteronomy chapter 30. We're going to start in verse 11. Like I said, this kind of sums everything up. It says, verse 11, this command I am giving you today is not too difficult for you. Now, you wanted to hear that when you walked into church this morning, didn't you? Don't worry, it's not that difficult. Don't worry, it's not too difficult for you, and it is not beyond your reach. It is kept in heaven, it is not kept in heaven, so distant that you must ask who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey it. It is not kept beyond the sea so far that you must ask who will cross the sea to bring it to us so that we can hear it and obey. No, the message is very close. It's very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart so that you can what? Obey it. I want you to, verse 14, I want you to underline all of verse 14 or just make a note if you don't have your Bible, just write like verse 14. We're gonna see that at the very end. I want you to see how all this ties together. So Moses starts out and he says, okay, you've heard it before. Yes, follow God, but, but remember, it's, it's within your reach. It's not too difficult. He doesn't say it's easy. So don't put words in Moses' mouth here. He's not saying it's easy. He's saying it's not too difficult. It's not too far away. It's not that you're oblivious to it. No, it's actually very obvious. And we know that to be true, just in normal common sense day-to-day -day things. The obvious choice, well, it's obvious for a reason, but we also know it's not always the easiest. The obvious choice does not always mean the easiest effort. Let me see how, how you do with this one. You tell me which one is the obvious right choice, educated or uneducated, if you have the choice. Educated, yeah, for sure. Um, let's do... Um, Arrested or not arrested? You didn't seem very convinced on that one. Not arrested is the better choice on that one if it wasn't that obvious. Um, you could do, uh, here's a good one for resolutions. In shape or not in shape? Which one's the obvious better choice? In shape. What about being in debt or being free of debt? That's a good one. That one is most definitely a good one. That's a, that's a good thing to build this next year. I'm getting out of debt, not building debt. Don't mishear me on that one. What about healthy relationships or broken relationships? Yeah, absolutely. They're all obvious. I don't need to preach on any of those. The question then we would ask is, if that's the goal, it's like, man, they're really obvious. Why do we not always do the obvious? Well, because they're difficult. So often when we're faced with an obvious right choice, an obvious choice that God says, follow me. This is best. This is better. This is the way that I would intend it to be. We often don't choose it because, well, it's difficult. It's, it's a lot of effort. I don't necessarily understand it. I want results immediate. I want it now. I want to see tangible results, not long-term down the future. We, we have all the excuses on why we don't always make the best obvious choice. But here Moses is saying it's pretty obvious. You know this. You've been taught this. But just because it's obvious doesn't mean it's always easiest. He says it's not too difficult. Not necessarily is it easy. So follow God. It's the obvious choice, but it's not always the, the simplest or the easiest choice. But Moses reminds us that it's within reach. It is still doable on many levels. Verse 15, he goes on. So he says, now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, his decrees and regulations. Here's how, by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are about to enter and occupy. 
So now he lays out, okay, this is doable. This is within your reach. We know this. It's obvious. Yes, it's, it's not always simple, but it's not too difficult. So here's your choice, church. Here's your choice, nation of Israel. Moses says it's either life and death, it's prosperity or destruction. He says, what are you going to choose? And he says, if you want to choose life, if you want to choose prosperity, then follow God. He uses the phrase, by walking in his ways. By walking in his ways. Now, I need to put this in context here because there's a version of this message that would be a lot more fun to preach than what the Bible actually says. When scripture here, when he says, between prosperity and disaster, I would love to just preach prosperity to you. Follow God and everything will work out. Follow God and it will be perfect. Man, I could get fired. That's easy. You want to hear that message? I would rather hear that message. <laughs> Follow God and you don't have to worry about anything. Follow God and you'll be rich. I mean, that, that's what we think of when I say prosperity. But you gotta understand what Moses is saying. That word prosperity, originally the Hebrew root word is tob. Say tob. Toby without the E, tob. Tob literally means to be pleasing, all right? Now here's where we can get confused and we can put this out, out of context. To be pleasing, we automatically fill in me. To be pleasing to me versus to be pleasing to God. Prosperity is pleasing to God, not me necessarily. And the problem we have, the often where we struggle as a Christian, if you're a believer, we can struggle because, well, Scripture says that I would have prosperity if I follow God. It's like, true. What's your definition of prosperity? If you feel prosperity is everything works out, I get everything my way, I'm good to go, that's not God's definition. He says prosperity is is pleasing to God. And what we have to wrestle with is my good, my prosperity, what's pleasing to me doesn't always mean it's pleasing to God or good to God. Here's what happens though. Remember that phrase, by walking in his ways, by following God? The more we do that, what happens is our hearts begin to align with his. And what is pleasing to God becomes pleasing to me. What is good for God becomes good for me. Not what's good for me becomes good for God. That's an often, we, we, we miss that. So for, for Moses to remind the nation of Israel and for us to learn as we're reading thousands of years later, we follow God and we have life and prosperity, which means a life pleasing to God versus a life of death and destruction. So he says, how do we do that? What was the phrase? Walking, walking in his ways. That's what verse 16 said. He says, for I command you this day to love the Lord your God, to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations, kind of going on and on and on. Here's how, by walking in his ways. And if you do this, then he says, you will have the the life as well as the prosperity. Now, once again, this is a reminder. It's nothing new, especially for the nation of Israel. They had heard this time and time again, but they needed a reminder just like we need a reminder. So I I know for sure that you don't need me to just hammer in, follow God, follow God, follow God. What's better is how do I remember to follow God? How do I remember to walk in his ways time and time again, all day, every day? What does that actually mean? How does that look? Because if we're building something this next year, so often we get ahead of ourselves and we start building without him. We start saying, well, I've got a really good idea And we begin building this next year. We begin building our life. We kind of poke around until sometimes we force it. Yep. And we start building without him instead of what scripture says of following his ways by following him. So here's a reminder I have for you. 
you and myself, we're going to do something just about every day this week. We're going to wake up and we are going to roll out of bed. We're going to start getting dressed. And at some point, we are going to sit down and we are going to put on our shoes and socks, right? Unless you're a sandals person, which I love that about you already. But let's assume you're going to wear shoes and socks this week. Now, there are two types of people in the world. There are people like me and people like my wife. People like me pull socks out of a sock drawer and immediately recognize these are inside out. People like my wife have neatly folded them and already turned them inside out before they even went in the washer. You don't apply to this illustration. If you're like me, here's what you have to do. You get out in your sock drawer, you get your socks, and we have to pull them what? What's the phrase? Inside out. So here's what I have for you. I have what I'm calling the sock prayer. You can write this down. You're not going to hear this probably anywhere else. Sock prayer. Chris and I were talking about this over at North Forsyth. Like, this is going to be a lot of fun. You're going to see people posting, I did the sock prayer. What? Matthew, it's in the gospel of Matthew. Don't worry. Here's the sock prayer that we came up with. Sock prayer is, first of all, Jesus, help me to follow you inside. As you pull that sock inside out, that's a reminder. Help me to follow you inside. That's the heart. That's the attitude. That's our intentions. That's our motives. It's what we think. It's what we allow into our hearts and our soul. Jesus, help me to follow you inside. When you do the other sock, what do you think it is? Jesus, help me follow you outside. That's what I say. That's what I do. That's how I act. That's how my attitude comes out. So Jesus, first of all, help me to follow you inside. Help me follow you outside. And then I'm gonna put these socks on one at a time and I'm gonna put my right sock on first and then I'm gonna say, Jesus, not only do I want you to help me follow you inside and outside, help me follow you all day today because I'm gonna have these stinky socks on all day today. <laughs> and then I'm gonna put my left sock on and I'm gonna say, Jesus, help me follow you every day because I'm gonna wear these every day. Different socks are gonna be washed in between, but you get what I'm saying here. So the sock prayer is very simple. You get them inside out and you say, Jesus, first of all, help me to follow you inside. Second one, Jesus, help me follow you outside. Help me follow you all day today. Jesus, help me follow you every single day of my life. Something simple, but you're gonna do this every single day. And I'm telling you, you're gonna wake up tomorrow and be like, I remember the sock prayer now. Ah, okay. Whatever we can do to begin to remember, because if we don't remember and if we're not constantly reminded, we will continue to go through life just building on our own. And we wake up one day and we're like, oh yeah, I kind of forgot about what God said here. And we keep forgetting until finally we're reminded. Usually those are, are rough reminders though. It's a lot easier to be reminded on our own. So do the sock prayer this week. Try it. Help me follow you. What's the first one? Inside, help me to follow you. Outside, help me to follow you. All day, every day. Follow God inside, outside, every day, and all day of each of those days. That's the reminder we need to hang on to. Here's what Moses says next. Verse 17, he hammers this point in. He, goes, he leans in, goes a little bit further. He says, but if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, so he's already laid out the choice. He says, Israel, today you've got a choice between life and death, prosperity and disaster. What are you gonna choose? Choose life and prosperity by following his ways, by following God, walking in his ways. And he turns it in, he's like, but if you don't, but if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, which we all know the nation of Israel had done that out in the desert multiple times. Here's what's gonna happen, verse 18. Then I warn you now that you will certainly be, and I need you to say that word, what's that word? Destroyed. Then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. 
So we have this great plan. We've, we know what we're beginning to build, and, and I want to, to build a better family. I want to have a better job, a career. I'm going to get my finances in order this next year. We have all sorts of plans and goals that we want to build, and we begin to build. But if we don't build with God in mind, if we don't allow him to lead us and we follow him in our grand plans, if we begin to force it, right here, Moses says, what's the result? What's that D word? destruction. Now, if you've ever played Jenga, you, you know where this is going, right? Here's what happens when I play with my four-year-old son. We'll be playing, and, and I'll, I'm trying to teach him how to look for the right ones, you know, and you know how to do that. You kind of tap on each of those. You know how the structure works. Connor plays Jenga very differently. He'll walk around, and he'll say, that's the one I want. I said, well, Connor, I mean, let's, let's test it. And he comes over. And I'm like, does it move? He's like, well, no. I said, well, then let's choose another, another one. He's like, no, I want that one. Connor, the point of the game is to not make it fall down. So let's find one that you could pull out and I'll even like help. Oh, hey, here's one right here. Let's, let's do this one. And he's like, well, I don't want that one. And without me even thinking, he just comes over. He's like, I want this one. And then he thinks it's the greatest thing in the whole world. And I'm like, you're missing the point of the game. That's how we do our, our lives though. I mean, translate this. We have our grand plans. We know what we want to build and we start building and we all come to a point where, well, let's either follow God or make it work my way. What Moses is saying here, what we need to take away is if we do not listen, remember that's what he said here? If you refuse to listen, listen to what? God's ways, God's word. If we refuse to listen, it says, well, no, this is what I want to build. This is what I want to do. This is, this is my way. And God's saying, no, you're, you're not understanding what's gonna happen next. And when we refuse to listen and we just make it our way, it leads to destruction. Not maybe right away, but you do enough things your way, not God's way, and that building's gonna have some, some flaws in it. Until one point, whether you're ready for it or not, it's going to come crashing down. Now, let me ask you a question here. Is, is this building destroyed or broken? What do you think? Destroyed or broken? I think it's broken. Here's why. Destroyed means it's useless. Destroyed means it is just done. Broken is very different. Broken can be repaired. Broken can be rebuilt. Broken can be fixed. And I look at this and nothing is completely broken, which Sean is really excited. He was nervous. He thought I'd break something. I did not break anything to the point of, not repairable. That would have been destroyed. Nothing is destroyed, but there is a lot of brokenness here. There's pieces that have just been thrown all over the stage, but with enough time, I could rebuild this back. Now, it would look a little bit different because I don't remember exactly which pieces went where, so when I rebuild this, it's not going to look the exact same, but we just sang a song that says, forever I'm changed. I will never be the same. Too often, we look at brokenness as a negative because, well, it will never be the same again. Jesus is saying, you're right, that's good. Sometimes we have to be broken so that he can rebuild us and know we will never be the same again. Forever we will be changed. So often we immediately think and conclude, well, I'm, it's destroyed. It's beyond repair. I hear it in families, I hear it in marriages, I hear it in careers, it's just, it's, it's, it's gone, it's useless. Can I, can I give you permission to just wait on making the next decision without God? 
even if you're saying, man, it's destroyed. There's no way it can be fixed. There's no way it can be repaired. Can you just hit time out for a minute? And maybe it's not destroyed. Maybe it's just broke. Broken things aren't fixed overnight. Maybe it's just broken. Would you allow God to to come into your life and begin repairing, begin rebuilding, but no, it will not look the same. And if you allow him to do it, it will be built on him and following his ways instead of us making our ways work. That requires a lot of faith. I get that. We celebrate Martin Luther King uh, this weekend for the dreams that he has had and the realities that we have seen come from those dreams. And he said this, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Faith is allowing God to rebuild even when you don't see how this is gonna finish, even when you don't see how this could possibly be rebuilt. It's destroyed, it's beyond repair, it's, it's just done, it's over. Is it really? Or are we just being impatient? Is it really? Or maybe we just need to have just a little bit more faith and give God the time and the opportunity to come in and begin a work of rebuilding. Just because it's broken doesn't mean it's destroyed. Moses goes on and here's, he sums it all up again. He's hammering this in, verse 19 and 20. Today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by, and we've heard this before, you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. Did you hear that? This is the key to your life. This is the key to what what God wants built in your life. This is the key to the marriage. This is the key to your kids. This is the key to parenting. This is the key to your career. You insert whatever you want in there, and yes, it is the key to that. This is the key to your life. Verse 20 says, loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's the key to our life. Regardless of what we have planned to build, regardless of of how we plan on building it, are we willing to say, okay, God, I've got some ideas, but I'm, I'm looking to you. I will follow you. I will follow God. I will walk in your ways, loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. That's what it means to follow God, those three things right there. Now, I do think it's interesting. If you look again, Moses gives the three. He says, here's how you, you love God. Here's how you follow him. Here's how you walk in his ways. It says, by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourselves firmly to him. I think it's interesting he uses those three. We hear the first two a lot. Yes, we know we're supposed to love God. Yes, we know we're supposed to obey him. Good reminders. But the third one, I almost at first when I was studying this, I wasn't sure it was necessary. Like, did he have to say committing yourself firmly to him? Isn't that assumed if I love God? Isn't it assumed if I'm obeying him that I'm committed to him? But I started to think of what this next year is probably gonna be like for a lot of us. First time, you get going just where we're at now. We're in like the middle of January and it's, it's easy to be excited about the next year for the most part for the most part. And it's easy to to love God when nothing's fallen over yet. (laughs) We love to love God, especially when things are going well. It's, It's easier to love God in this kind of an environment with a great worship team and a stellar message and all this kind of cool stuff. It's a little easier 
to follow God and to love God in those moments. And then something happens, then it gets a little rough. Then we're like, oh man, this isn't, this isn't working the way I thought. I'm supposed to obey God. And so then we kind of, we kind of, the rubber meets the road here and we kind of almost force ourselves like, okay, I'm, I don't really want to, but I'm going to obey. Different than, woo, I love God, right? All of a sudden it's like, okay, I'll obey because I know I'm supposed to. Here we go. Different attitude, isn't it, right? Different experiences in what we're dealing with. This third one, I, I believe the reason that Moses included committing to him firmly is because of moments like this. If you've ever been whitewater rafting before, you may have been in this kind of a, a, an, an instance, right? Now, that's not me. I, I looked. I could not find the pictures of our group when we went whitewater rafting, but there was a moment that looked very similar to this. And if you've been on the trip, I, I've been once, and, and once was enough for me. So I go once, and, and it started following that progression. Like It was like, oh, this is awesome. We're going to whitewater rafting. This is going to be great. I love it. And that was before you even got in the boat. And then you get in the boat in the water and it's like, hey, this is awesome. Here we go. I'm a pro and you're taking pictures and selfies and everything. And then it starts to get a little rough. And the guide in the back is like, okay, this side, when I say row, and he starts giving you instructions, you're like, oh, this is getting real. Okay, whatever you say. And you start listening to what he tells you when he tells you. There is a moment <laughs> where all that goes out the window. It's that moment when that when that rapid, you, when you hit that rapid and that nose of the raft pops up and you don't care what that, God, that guide is saying anymore, you don't love it anymore, all you're doing is trying not to drown. <laughs> and so you just forget everything else and you just hold on for dear life. I think what Moses is getting at is he's telling the Israelites, love God, obey him, but man, I'm just letting you know it's gonna get rough. When it gets rough, it's not gonna be easy to love him. It's not gonna be easy to obey him. So what do you do? You just hold on for dear life. Because sometimes in life, that's all we can do is hold on. God, I don't know how I can love you right now. God, I don't even know what to do right now. So I'm just gonna hold on. That's all I've got left. I don't know what else to do other than just hold on. How do we follow God? Of course we love him. We love him with all our heart, with all our soul, with our mind, and with all our strength. And yes, we obey him in his ways. We follow his word. But when it's so tough and so difficult and the white water is around you, hold on. Just hold on. When that's all you can do and that's all you feel like doing, when you don't know what else to do, as Moses told the Israelites, commit yourself firmly to him. In other words, hold on tight. Don't let Things are falling around, falling apart around you. Things are broken and it's just in disarray. I don't think I can make it this year. Hold on. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I, I don't see how I could get through this. Hold on to him. And when I say hold on to him, I mean hold on to what he says. Remember this whole thing is following God, following what he says. God, I don't understand. God, I disagree. But I'll do what you say and I'll hold on. Moses sums it all up and he says, oh, that you would choose life. Oh, that you would choose life. Be my prayer for you this next year that you would choose life. When life looks like this, that you would still hold on and you would choose life. That instead of trying to make things fit and make things work and make it your way, that you would choose life and let him be the one to direct you. Let him be the one to guide you. Choose life. Remember what verse I told you to underline? Do you remember that one? 
verse 14. I want you to see how that has moved and been taken into the hearts of the early church, specifically even in the, in the early church of Rome. Paul writes this to that church. He says, but what does it say? And understand the context prior to that. He was trying to help these, uh, these people understand how to follow God. You have an early church in Rome not knowing what it means to follow Jesus. And so he's helping them. He's reminding them. He says, but what does it say? Because he gave one. It doesn't say this. It doesn't say this. It doesn't say this. Verse eight, but what does it say? The word is near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. He took that straight out of what we just read. Out of Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 14, Paul quotes what Moses said to the nation of Israel as he writes and encourages and helps the early church of Rome follow God. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Remember, life and prosperity, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So choose life this year. If you do one thing this year, follow God. Choose life and prosperity over death and destruction. Love the Lord your God, obey him, and hold on tight to him, no matter what. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for, for helping us along. We're not gonna do this perfectly. Yes, it's obvious, and, and yes, we, we know, and yes, we get it, and yes, we've heard this before, but we still wanna do our things often. We do wanna do it our way many times. So Jesus, help us. Help us follow you inside and outside. Help us follow you all day, every day. Your ways, not our ways. God, uh, many of us in here are, are broken. And we may even assume destroyed. It's beyond repair. It can't be fixed. I don't know what else to do. I don't see how this is going to work out. God, would you speak to the broken this morning? Your word is very clear that when we follow you, we receive life and prosperity. Not following you is death and destruction. Following you, yes, it may, may cause some brokenness. We may walk through brokenness, and it is a difficult journey being rebuilt by you, but we are not destroyed. And when we allow you in our lives to rebuild us and to rebuild our families and to rebuild our careers and to rebuild our finances, you name it, whatever you need to rebuild in our lives, it's not always the easiest thing. And no, we will never be the same. Because of you and your love, we most certainly will be forever changed. So Jesus, right here, right now, we commit to following you this next year and for the rest of our life. Help us. Help us stumble in the right direction when we don't do it perfectly. In Jesus' name, amen.